Well, Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne. Let us find mercy with you, grace to help us in our time of need. And boy, do we ever need you, Lord. The world is darker and darker, but you said our glory increases, even though gross darkness covers the face of the earth. Your glory is risen upon us, and we're so thankful for that. We are the light that shines in darkness, and we honor you. We love you. Let us be the light you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. So today we're going to talk about, let me think, the fact that Jesus heals the brokenhearted. Amen. He heals the brokenhearted. And uh, <clears throat> it's something that, that um, I'm... I'm really fond of as far as the work of the Holy Spirit is concerned because um, in reading and uh, in, in studying, you know, you find out a lot of things that, that you thought were unique to you and you find out that all people are afflicted by these things or all people are subject uh, to these things. And uh, one of the tricks of the enemy is to get you to think that your situation is unique. Nobody else has this difficulty except you and that there's no remedy for you. And I think that that's false, false, and false. Amen. Uh, we need to understand that God knows what we need and he, he released the anointing through his son Jesus Christ to take care of the needs of all humanity. All humanity needs healing. All humanity needs restoration. All humanity needs what that anointing takes care of. One of the things that, that you need to understand about the anointing is that it works inside and outside. When you're born again, you you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and he releases the power that works within us. There's a transforming power that works within us, and, and as well as the power that comes upon us. So when you're baptized in the Spirit, you are endued with power from on high, and that comes upon you. And it's mainly to do the work of the ministry, uh, to to um, complement the inner anointing. The one that works on the inside is the one that works 24-7, and it heals us, it leads us, guides us, transforms us. Uh, the inner anointing really is the Holy Spirit, but different uh, ways that he works with us to... Um, guide us, give us confidence, transform us, that we are being conformed to the image of Christ. And that's the inner working of the Holy Spirit. The outer is the anointing, basically, for ministry. So there are some things that we need to do that we need the outer, the drenching of the Holy Spirit. In other words, we need a greater empowerment. Uh, it's like, say, for instance, your... Um, the inner working of the Holy Spirit can be said to be your clothing that you wear inside the house. And the outer is your coat so that when you go outside, you're covered. Amen. And so that that uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit or, or the anointing that pours upon is for pouring out, for giving to other people. So that you're not trying to give from what's within you all the time. You, you give from what's without. 
anybody who's who's lived being born again only and indwelt by the Holy Spirit knows that there's a whole big difference that comes upon you when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Uh, you you have a greater light to come upon you. You have a greater understanding of things. It's it's a deeper uh, empowerment of God. It's really the essence of God, the power of God, the mind of God. Everything that God has is given to you in greater ability because that inner just won't be strong enough to help you with everything you need to pour out of you. See? You just have to understand that. You can witness to people. You can talk to them. You ever, you ever wonder sometimes how uh, uh, people that you know, you know, you could talk to them about, about the Lord. They don't want to hear about it. They push you away, all that kind of stuff. And then the, a different, different push from the inside of you and outside comes upon you and those words are more impactful. See, everybody experiences that when you get endued with power from on high, when you receive that outer garment, that, that is your priestly robe for ministering, giving out. Because if you try to minister from just what you carry within, you'll run out of steam real fast, you know? And you'll say to yourself, my goodness, I, you know, people don't want to hear about the Lord and, you know, and, and there's some good people that are, 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 faithful people, but the power for witnessing really comes with that outer garment. It's it's not not enough to, because you can bang on doors and talk to people and pass out tracts, but you won't have that convincing power on you that, that Jesus talked about. That that's him baptizing his church in the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we need that. We're to have that to go out to serve. In fact, he told the disciples, don't try to do anything. Go wait in Jerusalem till you get this. Amen. And when they got that, they turned the world upside down. Amen. Nothing was happening until the, the Holy Spirit just descended on everybody in the upper room. And it was like, man, there was no stopping these people. They were a threat to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all those people that had put Jesus to death now were running scared of his people. See, they were big and bad when when he was the only one that was facing their accusation. But now that he's gone, man, everybody's catching on to this. And this is what God wants. He means to win this world with 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 his people. But we've got to learn how to get empowered and learn how to work with the Holy Spirit instead of trying to lead him around like like we're in charge of something. And so it's there's a big, big difference. I, I know. And then when I was first baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was so excited for everything to happen at once. And I had to learn how to let him lead. You know, we're like a team of wild horses somewhere. We won't go off and do everything. You know, you got a little cap pistol and you want to go shoot up the world. Well, you're not going to get You're just going to be a little bang somewhere. Amen. Until, cause he knows how to get the glory. He's going to have to get the glory one way or the other. You're not going to run this show for God. He's going to run it. And so I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But one of the things that that happens to the believer 
once they're they're born again, and this is with or without the baptism in the Holy Spirit, then God begins to heal your life because your life needs to be healed. And I'm not talking about physical, whether you have a physical infirmity or not. Your whole life needs to be healed. And so Calvary was a total work because when Jesus said it's finished, that means you get a new life. Amen. And the, the new life comes inside you to dwell with you and live in you and be in you. But he's working on the inside of us all the time. And I think that's something we forget. We we forget, don't get discouraged with where you are. Don't ever get discouraged with where you are. Because God is yet working. He's yet transforming. He's healing. He's He's reconstructing. We're a work in progress, but we're complete. You got me? You're both. Amen. There are certain things God is developing in us, but we don't live a wounded and hurt and limping around because we're complete. Amen. We're complete by faith. Faith is very powerful to take us from one one place to another in our life with God. Like, Like we're healed by faith. You know, even if you have symptoms in your body, you're still healed by faith. Other than that, you've been complaining all the time or it would bother you all the time. But you can live with with certain things that are are not quite right in your life. You can have peace. You can have contentment. Why? Because you're complete. Amen. There's nothing lacking in us, folks. we got to understand that. It just hadn't showed up yet (laughs) in the natural, you know, all of it. So our faith really is our, our, our down payment, our legal tender. But but we're complete in him. You gotta understand you don't need anything else. You're not waiting on anything to happen. You are complete in him. And and I think if we would focus on, you know, God, what does that mean to be complete in you? Show me how I'm complete. You know, just just put it out there so that he can begin to inform you, reveal to you, give you confidence, give you uh assurance, all of those things that the work is done. You know, you have everything you need already that you need for this life, for life, and for godliness. We just need to learn how to accept that by faith and, and let that be our peace. Amen. Let that be our contentment. God, I have everything already. I'm not lacking anything. So just relax. You know, take a nap, put your feet up, go read you some more word, turn on another tape or something like that. But understand you're not waiting on anything. You're not, you know, there's nothing else for you to work on. Amen. Just just be content believing God and, and understanding that he has it all worked out for you. And so one of the things that God does have worked out for us is our healing and our restoration and healing our lives. Amen. Uh what God did, what Jesus did at Calvary brought life to the whole person, spirit, soul, mind, and body. And there are times where, where one may, might need a little more work than the other one might. Amen. Some people just have no trouble with, with putting thoughts away that are troubling to them. Some people tend to worry, tend to ruminate, tend to be fearful, all of that. So God has, has, uh, um, healed all of that already we just have to learn how to begin to walk in it and how to embrace it by faith first and know well god there's a way for me to live uh worry free 
You know, I used to look at that scripture that said, cast your cares upon him. It used to make me mad when I first looked at it. Because it seemed like the minute I thought I had forgot about something or put it aside, it would pop back up again, you know. And and I would think to myself, I said, Lord, you say cast your care upon us. I'm casting it, but it seems to be coming back. And he says, because you don't believe. See, once you cast it and you believe it's gone it's gone so you got to work on your believing sometimes you know god says if, if i do this it's done amen i don't have to pick it up again and sometimes will you ever find yourself doing something you'll you'll say you you believe something and then you fish around in your mind to see if it's still there yeah right and so i mean it's just common to do you know the the uh, i remember years ago uh working with with in psychiatry and plus being a patient too you know psychiatrists would say certain things he said those are self-limiting behaviors like worry is a self-limiting he said pretty soon your brain just gets fatigued with thinking about that over and over again and it will let it go and he said, if you don't don't fish around to pick it back up again, it'll leave permanently. But it leaves little by little. Because after a while, things just aren't as significant to us anymore as they used to be. You, ever, you think about things that you used to worry about. You say, how could I ever be crazy enough to sit up and worry about X, Y, and Z? You, you understand what I'm saying? Because your your mind now has has... Number one, it's through with it. Your physical brain is just through with thinking about that. You know, your, your mind has to, has to get satisfied with things. When it's bored, it'll go on to something else on its own. Amen. And so you, you have to understand this. God has built into the way we're made certain things that, that won't take us down, so to speak, if we let go of them. I mean, if we just let God have his, his words work in us that he wants to do he'll take us your mind will just go from one thing to the next to the next it'll settle on something that it enjoys thinking about or it'll go on to something else but but until we start to learn how to renew our minds and think on better things you know you you're going to be be troubled somewhat with these things but you need to know that god has an anointing that's working in you all the time to break the yoke to these things so that they're not as important to you emotionally as far as the intention you give them, all of that kind of stuff. He is working on that all the time in us to bring us to what he calls peace. Amen. That we have a sound mind, that we are not concerned about things. Or when you start to uh, excuse me, apply the word of God more yourself, voluntarily you start to renew your mind so you to when a thought comes to you that something is a threat or a danger to you you you're, you're the holy spirit will give you a scripture to hold on to and you'll embrace it you know um and adopt that and let go of the other thought that you've been thinking 
Like, you ever notice when you first start hearing the word, you hear it like on a real superficial level. Like, it's, that sounds good, but you don't know my situation. I got this, 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 and this to contend with, you know. And then one day you just let that word settle in you and you say, well, you know what? I do believe that. that believing that is better than what I've been believing. And you got to accept one of them is true and the other one is false. See, just because you've thought about something or thought a certain way all your life, that don't make it true. That just makes it a habit. Amen. So your habit can be can be broken. It can be changed. All of that. And the, the anointing that dwells in us does that. It makes things real that are real. It it makes the word real. It makes everything uh, conform. To, to God's standard and God's way of thinking and God's way of doing things. So, so we all need this. Your life needs to be healed. And that's the first thing that Jesus talked about in the anointing. If we go to Luke chapter four, I'll come back to Genesis in a minute. In Luke chapter four, Jesus explained this as he taught people. He, he didn't leave anybody ignorant. That's the one thing I love about him. And he won't leave us questioning and he won't leave us ignorant either. He will explain things to us because this is good news. This isn't, you know, uh, you know, your time is up. God's fed up with you and he's looking for you to punish you and then the days are over. You know, once, once Jesus comes into your heart, you know, you got a friend. Amen. He's not living in you to cause you harm. He's living in you to do you good. And Luke 4.18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. So he, words are how he does this for us. Amen. His word is how he does it. He preaches his word, the gospel, to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Now, that doesn't mean somebody who just broke up with a boyfriend or, I mean, he couldn't be dear Abby, not with all that power. That that ain't what that's for. He's there to heal everybody because we've all been broken in heart. Amen. I don't care if you can't think of a, 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 Boyfriend or girlfriend, somebody way back where somebody, that has nothing to do with anybody, anything, you know, is who it involves in your life. Our hearts are broken, period. Amen. Everybody, part of iniquity is broken hearted. We're all born in sin and shaped in iniquity. So that's broken heart. That's everybody. And, and I think it's, it's unfair that people have been led to believe that because they had certain difficult things happen in their childhood that that's exceptional nobody goes through listen i was born with a broken heart so were you everybody is that's why that's the first anointing jesus brings is to heal that part of us that has been damaged by sin and iniquity. How do we get broken hearted? Why, why would he call it that? Why would he call it that? Broken heartedness comes through rejection, disappointment, fear, all of those things. Those are the things that, that man inherited from his disobedience to God in the garden. In Genesis chapter 3, 
we see the aftermath of when the man and the woman ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Thinking that they were going to be wise like God, they got deceived into doing that. So God had to send a remedy. Amen. It's like if if somebody tricked one of your children and took their money from them, what would you do? You go and get it back. Amen. That's what a good parent does. And that's what happened to us in the fall. God wasn't mad at us because we made the right, I mean the wrong decision. He made a remedy right away to fix it. Amen. You know, most good parents, if you get mad at the right person, you'll take your kid out and say, we're going to go get your money. I'm going to deal with you when I get back. You understand what I'm saying? Deal with you and get back. But we're going to do the important thing first, and that's restoration. Getting back for you what was stolen from you. And that's what God, that's all he did here in the garden. It says here uh in in, in chapter 3 in verse... We'll start in verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you're cursed above all cattle. So the serpent got cursed too. And every beast of the field upon your belly shall you go and dust shall you eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And it will bruise your head and you shall bruise its heel. Now he's talking to Satan who lives inside of that animal now. Okay. And so he says unto the woman, he said, I'll multiply your sorrow and conception and sorrow shall you bring forth children and your desire shall be towards your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you have hearkened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not do it, cursed is the ground for your sake. So you see here a separation Between the man and the woman, they're not really partners anymore. There's a hierarchy here. He's in charge, and and he has to rule over her just to keep their lives together. And they both have sorrow in the labor that God gives them. He says, the ground will bring forth thorns and thistles, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face shall you eat bread until you return into the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also and his wife did the Lord make coats of skins and clothe them. So the coats of skins are important because they were a foreshadowing of Calvary. When that whole deal would be over, the price would be paid for them to get back into the tree of life. And the Lord said, Behold, the man has become one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever in this fallen condition. So the tree of life is not the same thing as the Holy Spirit. Amen. The, the tree of life was in the garden and, and they would eat. That's what sustained them, sustained their life 24 hours a day because they were made from the ground and the ground has to sustain them. We still live in sustenance in part from the ground, but now that we're born again, the Spirit of God comes in and sustains us. So that's a higher form of living than they live there but God had to shut them out of the garden because Adam could have taken from that tree and lived forever in a condemned condition in a death death uh, mode death meaning separation from God 
That's all death was. So God had to remove his spirit from them and then put coats of skin on them to remind them that they were still connected to him, but the way back to him would, would take blood and it would take sacrifice. That's the way back to God. And so he says, God sent them forth from the garden to till the ground from whence he was taken. See, in the ground, in the garden, everything grew on its own. There was no tilling the soil. There was just go get what you eat. Amen. Get what you need and eat it. And God told them they could eat freely. Amen. So there was no calorie counting in the garden. For all those people, all of you who out there who teach that food was their problem in the garden, they didn't have no problems. God said eat freely. He trusted them to eat freely that they wouldn't be gluttons. Gluttony came after the fall. Amen. So don't put our problems over on our parents. They were perfect when they were created. And they lived that way until they disobeyed. From that point, they were driven out of the garden. It says in 24, so he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So the tree of life really has been kept from us, amen, out of mercy. This was a mercy move because we could have died and disappeared right there on the spot. But God, because he cut that animal, the skin off that animal, that was mercy. And that allowed man to live even apart from God. But then that mercy was the way back to God. So that's why God instituted the law with the sacrifices and all of that kind of stuff. When we sinned. We could go and worship God and get back to God, but the way back was always blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And and throughout the life of Israel, they got sick of doing them sacrifices over and over again, and so did God. He told them one day, I don't even want you, I don't delight in your sacrifices and offerings. He said, a body I have prepared to take care of this once and for all. So when Jesus came, he was the once and for all sacrifice. No more sacrifices. No more animal blood shed for nothing. Amen. God don't accept it. He wasn't accepting it when it was instituted. Really. It, he always had a better way for us to get to him. And, and it took some, some centuries for, for him to teach man enough about himself to know God is holy and we're not. God requires a sacrifice, and we hate doing it. God, please send somebody who's going to deliver us from this system. He sent his son. So when people cried out enough, God heard them, and Jesus came on the scene. The ones, once and for all, sacrifice for all time. So no more blood sacrifices. God doesn't accept that anymore. You don't need it. He's given us his son already. All we got to do is turn away from us and turn toward him and we have everything. Amen. And including the, the, uh, healing of our total person, spirit, soul, mind, and body. So your spirit is made alive or quickened by the Holy Spirit when you're born again. Your spirit comes to life. Amen. Your soul gets renewed in the word. 
and your body gets healed physically. So it takes care of everything. Calvary was a total work, which means you have all of that the day you're born again. You're just being taught how to walk in it. That's what we're doing. We'll be taught how to walk in what we have already and how to find that pathway that God has for us, that perfect pathway that leads us to every single blessing that he has in store for us. So Calvary brought to life the whole person. And we are complete in him. Second Corinthians 10 tells us that. We are complete in him and being completed in him. You're complete already, which means you don't need to do anything else. He doesn't need to do anything else. We just need to believe what he says and begin to walk it out. Amen. You make some mistakes along the way. You stumble. You do some things that that, that aren't perfect, not edifying. But he corrects it. Why? Because we're already complete. There's When you stumble, there's nothing you need to do to fix you. He fixes you. Amen. He does everything. And so that's what he means by complete. That you, there's nothing you can do to complete yourself. There's nothing you can do to please God more. Amen. There's, I know we don't believe that because we're all performance people. Amen. We got ourselves on trial and everybody else on trial. You know, to, to performance. You know, when people say things that we don't like, we, it's a performance judgment we make on them. It's, it's not anything that amounts to anything. But, but we're so used to it, we put that on God too. We think God is looking at how we perform to decide if He loves us or not. Amen. He looks at whether we rely on the blood of His Son. Amen. For our perfection. That's, that's what He's looking at. So if you're trying to perform to please Him, uh, you know, slow your roll. Find something else to do because that ain't working. Amen. He loves faith. He loves it when we believe him. Amen. God, you mean in spite of all this stuff I done messed up and jacked up? And Yes, I still love you. Nothing you can do to stop that. Amen. And so it's a good thing to rely on him in that way. So we are yoked to brokenheartedness. Amen. In Isaiah 10.27, it tells us the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. So how was our heart broken? Right there in Genesis 3 when we got kicked out of the garden and kicked out of God's presence. Amen. The last time Adam and Eve saw God or had dealings with God, they were being told that they had to leave. So that rejection and that separation. See, the garden was a lot more than just trees that they ate from. That's where they met God. They lived in his glory there. That was the best place in the world to be on earth. Amen. And so when they got separated from God, they felt that rejection. They knew they had to work or wait to get acceptance again. And that's what causes their heart to be broken. Amen. If there was somebody that you loved and that you depended on and, and they loved you back and you got separated, how would you feel? You, you would be broken hearted. Amen. So we're born in a condition of broken heartedness where our relationship with God is concerned. Amen. So that's why I say everybody's got this. 
You know, it, when when circumstances happen in your life, listen, that little little boyfriend you had way back when, he wasn't the first person to break your heart. Amen. You were born broken hearted and, and he just made you aware of how much you need God. Hey, this is this is the theme of life. Amen. Uh, 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 you know, so many Poems and songs are written about brokenheartedness and how do you find love? How do you mend a broken heart? How do you get, and, and that doesn't come out of just nowhere. That poet wasn't some unique person whose heart got broken and now he gets to tell the world about it. But when these things come up and they're popular, it's because everybody identifies. See, I'm, I'm brokenhearted because my mother didn't give me all the candy I wanted when I was a kid. You understand what I'm saying? It, it, because that separation from the goodness of God gets, you get reminded of it every time something happens to disappoint you. Every time something happens to, to tell you or make you feel inadequate, like you don't measure up. That's part of brokenheartedness. Because that's what Adam and Eve knew. They knew they messed up. We didn't measure up. We failed God, something. And so you internalize that stuff when things happen. You just take it into yourself. And then you start to blame yourself. What did I do? What can I do to fix this? And you realize you can't do anything to fix it. Amen? You know, some people quit trying. Or then they go on a, 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 a rampage of causing other people pain. Cause they got pain. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes they feel like all they gotta give out is pain. And so this is a common human experience. Everybody has it to some degree. Amen? You can't exempt yourself from this because it's here in the Bible. It, this is everybody's, this is part of our inheritance as human beings. Amen? This is how the, the, uh, wealthy person who's clawed their way out of poverty to wealth gets there and, and they're, they're at the top of, you know, king of the hill, top of the heap. You know what I'm saying? And have everything materially they need. They may have a spouse, a family, big house, lots of cars, and they still feel empty inside. Well, cause they, they're brokenheartedness. See, it's there on everybody and we try to fill it up ourselves. With ambition and, oh, I can't wait until I get my degree, until I get my this and get my that. You get there and you you the same person you were before you got that piece of paper. You just broken hearted with a piece of paper. Amen. Until God comes in. See, Jesus knows what we need. Amen. When he said, I'm healed here to heal the broken hearted, I'm sure most of those people say, well, man, what you going to do about my bank account? That's just a common response to to what we really need. Amen. We don't want to address it because we've never had a remedy for it. Amen. So we just live with it and shrug it off. Maybe it's not important. It's not as important. I think, well, let me go and, and try and, and make myself known or make myself important. Or You understand what I'm saying? It's brokenheartedness because it's a rejection by the creator. And it was put there 
to spare us from from eternal damnation right there in the garden. Amen. Because, it, you know, one thing the devil told them that was partially true when when uh, uh, he questioned the woman and she said, we'll die if we do this. He said, mm, you won't surely die. Uh-huh. Enticed her to disobey, telling her mm, won't happen. Because he knows God's mercy. He sees God, God's mercy given to everybody but him. And he's jealous of it. But that same mercy that he knows God will give them works out to, to our salvation. It works out to our rescuing. When we don't deserve, they didn't deserve to be rescued. In a way they didn't because they were told not to. Amen. But through deception they did it anyway. So God has to fix it one way or the other. Amen. And so when we disobey God, we get great mercy if we'll come to him and ask forgiveness. I think that's the most beautiful thing. Whether you did it on purpose, whether you, it doesn't matter. We don't have degrees of, you know, like a, a, a court, a man's court would have. Amen. Trying to determine if you did it on purpose or not. See, in a natural court, that that means something. In God's court, everything's forgiven. He said, as far as the east is from the west, I've separated your sin from you. You're holy now. Amen? You can come talk to me. We can we can make plans together, and I'll help you carry them out. Why? Because I've given you my holiness to live in. Amen? I trust you because I trust myself. Amen? We're back to before you sinned in the garden. Amen? Even better. So we are yoked to brokenheartedness. When we were separated from God, we were rejected. And that rejection registers in your heart. There's a pain in your heart. There's a doubt in your heart. There's an an unrest in us. So the promise in the garden was to heal our hearts. Amen? He said, I'm going to send a Savior. One of your children is going to come back and rescue you. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? Amen. And so there's the opportunity for help for you just in being obedient to the basic things that God has given us to do. So brokenheartedness is experienced by everybody. We said that many times people, people have wondered and, and written on, on, on many levels on how to get over brokenheartedness. Why? Because it's not humanly possible to heal it. Amen? It's not humanly possible. You can, you can cure certain diseases with, with certain antibiotics, natural diseases, but you can't do that with the inner stuff. The stuff that's troubling your soul, the trust, the stuff that's that's keeping a damper on your spirit, the stuff that 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 hurts your heart, cannot be healed through human measures, amen, or natural measures. When somebody is grieving, we always say things like time, you got to give it time. Time's going to help it, amen, because you know there's nothing you can do, amen. There's certain times, you know, there's um, things that we need to, to respect, I think. Like, there's nothing you can say to somebody who's just lost a loved one. Just see if you can not 
not leave them alone or or have them feel lonely. I remember the in the uh, traditional some traditional uh, churches, uh, they would have someone stay at the house of the the departed, you know, with the bereaved. That somebody from the church would just come and sit, not say anything. They would just sit. And if you felt like talking, you had somebody to talk to. And if you didn't, they were there. It was the concept that you are not alone is is what they were trying to convey. And they felt like people healed easier and healed faster if they had someone there but not present. You got me? Kind of like the Holy Spirit would be. Invisible to a sense. I'm here. You're not alone. I'm, I'm here in present with you and never say a word. Amen. I remember there was when we were growing up, my uh, oldest sister's mother-in-law, uh, you know, she was kind of wild, you know, and, you know, lived a life. They gambled a lot, drank a lot and everything. And, and then she came back to the church when she got older, grandchildren, you know, things, her life slowed down. You know, a lot of her brothers and sisters that she gambled with moved away, etc. And she's found her way back to God again. And and she was so peaceful. And she was like a totally different person to me. And when my mother passed away, when I went into the house, she was there. And she hugged me and I thanked her. I said, I said, oh, so good to see you. And she just, you know, we loved on each other for a while. She went right back into that chair she was sitting in in the dining room. And she stayed there for almost the entire day. This people came and left and my dad was there, you know, and she was there like as a presence to make sure he knew that he was not alone. And it just blessed me so much, you know, to see people taking up that spot, you know. And uh, later on, I, I kind of joked about it to somebody. I said, I could slap her. She knew all them church things to do all them years. She was gambling and caring. But everybody does that. You know, you live out that sinful life until you just get tired of it. and you, You're what God calls converted. And you come to the house of the Lord. And I, I thought, Lord, I said, she's making up for all those years. She's loving you and helping you and helping your people. You understand what I'm saying? God has a way of helping you to find your way back and to redeem all of that for his glory and for his his blessing and his benefit. But but that brokenheartedness that comes when you lose somebody, it takes God to heal that. It's not going to heal just by itself. Prayer definitely helps. That's why we pray for people who have lost someone. You know, and don't just say you're going to pray for them and don't pray for them. You know, you make sure you keep them before the Lord. And, and thank God every day for you. Just touch them again today, Lord. Just whatever they need today, I thank you for giving it to them. And, and just simple things like that. And so so we are yoked to brokenheartedness. And that yoke is broken by the anointing. Amen. That rejection registers in our hearts. It gets lodged there. You know, you'll hear people say things like, uh, you know, uh, uh, broken heartedness. In fact, there's, there's a lot of research that's done on that, medical research that's done on it. And, uh, many times uh, it's described as a severe emotional pain due to disappointment, rejection from someone you love or expect love from. So it's a syndrome. And it's something that 
Um, physicians know they can't treat. If there's anxiety or sleeplessness to go with that, they can treat that symptom, but they can't get at the root of that brokenheartedness. So, so it forms what they call a brokenhearted syndrome. Sin causes our brokenheartedness. So when Adam and Eve sinned, they broke God's heart and they broke theirs too. Amen. They're, they're broken, breaking fellowship. That broken fellowship because we didn't have his presence anymore. We didn't have that fellowship. That's what causes brokenheartedness in all of us. This is why Jesus came with the anointing to heal the brokenhearted. So the spirit of the Lord God was removed in the garden and Jesus began to proclaim that it was being restored. Amen. In Luke chapter four, he says, God has, has sent me to heal your brokenheartedness and to bind up all of your wounds. Amen. So whether that it started with our separation from God, but it gets magnified every time we get a disappointment, every time we get a, a, um, a signal that something isn't going right for us, you can experience that inner pain. You know, some some people now feel it as a a uh, a pain in your spirit. You know, kind of deeper. Sometimes you will feel that like a a stabbing pain where it's there's an offense there where something is is said or you've heard a word that that. Uh, gets inside of you and it, it begins to, to damage you or to raise up that, that ill feeling on the inside of you. And, and it's not that person's fault that triggered it. You understand what I'm saying? This is why God tells us to forgive. Cause we'll go around hating on people and avoiding people for no reason. Because that's been there all the time. Just something in us, it gets triggered by some kind of outward experience. And to be honest with you, that process has to take place in order for us to be healed. Because if we never experience that pain where the the initial brokenheartedness was triggered, we wouldn't know what God needed to do to work on us. See, we wouldn't understand the dealings of the Holy Spirit. We would just kind of go through life oblivious to everything. So when God tells us we need healing, sometimes he has to demonstrate to us, yeah, you do need it. See, you have to be convinced that something needs to be restored to you that was taken. Because we can't see everything and we don't know everything. But we have to trust that God does. Amen. He knows everything and he's made a remedy for everything that hurts us. And so many times we'll, we'll think what we've gone through is, has been so bad, you know, because when it's happening to you, it is the worst thing in the world. I mean, you know, I'm not going to tell you it's not because nobody's here to judge your pain. Nobody's here to judge your response to it. Nobody's here to judge you in anything because we're all in the same, we're all in the same vicious little boat. Your experiences to make you aware of your need for healing may be different than mine, but we all need the same healing because we've all had the same experience in just being born. Amen. You come with a package of trouble. And so we, we, God is here to remedy that trouble. And so many times, you know, we'll run into 
situations and people that don't seem to get better fast. And when you do, when that happens, you need to say, God, what are you trying to show me here? <laughs> what are you working on? You know, let me, whatever it is, I receive it. I'm ready to, I'm ready for my share of, of healing, you know, and, and just take it in the, in the way that God intends it. Amen. To, to, to let you know that, that He's there to remedy, not to put a band-aid on it and not to give you some, some happy thought. So you can change your, your thought from a sad thought to a happy thought, but He's here to, to deliver you from that, you know, to dig that out. And sometimes brokenheartedness, that healing will take place over a person's lifetime. You know, I mean, it just, it just is. It, it just happens that way. You can't say, well, God, I'm going to lay down here all day and you just cut it all out and get it over with. No, 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 no. You're not in charge of anything. You understand what I'm saying? And you know that it's going to, it's probably going to take a lot of relationships over your lifetime for God to really get your restoration package done. So just be patient with that. It's not as unpleasant as we think it is many times. Uh, we just we just want things the way we want them. And, and if it's unpleasant, we think, let's get it over with so I don't have to keep going through this. But then you look around and you're right back there again somehow. You know, you're experiencing it again. And, you know, people get mad at people and, you know, walk off from them. And some of them walk off from really good relationships because they won't accept apologies. And they don't want to forgive and they don't want to continue. And and really the way to restoration is forgiveness. It's the blood of the cross. That's how you participate in Calvary over and over again is through forgiving people and asking God to forgive you. You know, God, I'm, I'm getting tired of just going over this in my mind over and over again and, and trying to figure out why did they do this to me and why did this stop it. Amen. This is a normal process. If if you look at yourself as more normal than not, might be easier for you to accept what God's doing. Amen. So so Jesus wants to heal broken hearts. Amen. So so we said that broken heartedness can be an intense emotional pain or suffering one feels. After losing a loved one through death, divorce, breakup, moving, being rejected, or other means. People have written about, philosophers have written about brokenheartedness since before the time of Christ. So it dates back so far, you've got to know it's a common problem or situation or condition. It's really not a problem because God has given us the remedy, amen? So it's really not, I would say, as big a deal as we think it is sometimes. I know the enemy gets involved and he tries to get us to think like, oh, well, you're the only, who? nobody goes through this. Like, look at what they did to you. They didn't do that to so-and-so. They treat them better. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Bible says there's no situation come to us such as is common to man. These are common life situations. Now your scenario might be different. You know, your, your pain might be different. Your, your uh, healing might take a different course. But these are all common things and this brokenheartedness is a human condition. It's not 
something that you get singled out for and picked on unique from everybody else. Everybody, this is everybody's story, folks. Or Jesus would not have had an anointing to take care of it in every human being that that ever lived. So the anointing that dwells within us works to constantly heal this. And God heals things by making us aware that we have a need for healing. And how does he do that? Through experiences in life that aren't pleasant. Nobody has pleasant experiences all the time. You know, being a Christian really means you probably will have more unpleasant ones than the average person. Why? Because you have something valuable that the devil's after. And if he can keep you running around trying to figure out how to, how to, you know, keep pressure off yourself and get people to like you and not treat you rough and not do this and not, you, you let your mind stay busy with that. You'll miss a lot. You, know, you need to take it, God. This is common to man. I'm going to let this go right now. See, I forgive so-and-so, and I'm moving on. And you know what the enemy will do? He'll bring it up later and try to make you try to figure out why. Why'd they do that to me? Why did that? Why, 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 Huh? you got to leave the land of why. Amen. In going to the land of it's over. It's healed and just let it go. Amen. There are some times when you can can improve relationships, but let God do that. You don't know how to do that. You got to let God do all this stuff so that he can put you right the way he wants you to be. If you listen to people and try to do what they tell you to do for them to like you better, you'd be a crazy person. You know, crazier than we are when we start out. You understand what I'm saying? So, so we, we need to understand this, that, that rejection was deposited into humanity. All humanity has rejection in them. All humanity has brokenheartedness. And when Jesus can get that, get that brokenheartedness healed, then we can step up and start to do the works of God without fail. You know, it's hard to work for God if you're concerned about, if you're self-conscious, you know. Um, we've got to lose that, and, and the way we lose it is through healing. You know, he heals our brokenheartedness, and we can, we can, it's, it's like, you ever, have you ever noticed when you say like people go to a new church, and they feel like they stick out like a sore thumb, you know, and they start to, uh, look for a way to feel comfortable in that new environment. And if you'll stick with it, pretty soon God will have you. You ever notice how that just leaves you and you don't know when it left and how it left? I mean, if you stick with it. Now, there are some people that just, they think everything is for them. You know, they don't do this right. They don't do that. And they never snap out of it. But if you let God work with you and you let God, you say, God, I don't feel comfortable here. Did you send me here? If he says, yes, stay, you stay and stick it out. And then pretty soon that thing leaves you. Why? Because when you walked in, your broken heartedness was identified as as being self-centered. You're worried about how people treat you. 
and and when once God exposes that, like you feel uncomfortable and you feel like you stick out like a sore thumb, once that exposed, He heals it. He just lets you become aware of it, to so you know you need some work. You know you need to get to the point where you feel comfortable wherever I send you. Amen. And and so once you acknowledge that, you say, God, you know what? Did you send me here? And you say, Yeah, you stay there. Well, okay, God, if you say you sent me here, I said, and it, it's over. Next time you go in there, you it's like you've been there forever. Amen. You don't feel like the new kid on the block. Or sometimes it might take a little while, but you have the faith to stay with it because you know you're getting better. You're feeling more comfortable around these people. You're finding more things that you have in common than you have indifference. Amen. Why? Because you got healed enough to not think about you the whole time you're there and how you're being treated. And what they're doing and what they're saying. You quit judging everybody based on your standards and you've let that go. That's healing. When you can let something go where it's not, you're not the focus of everything, you're healed. You've received some healing. And so many times we don't really totally understand the process, but we know somehow we're getting better. Because now we can come to church and focus on the word. Focus on the worship and not feeling like everybody's pushing us away or they're staring at us or they don't think we're this and don't think we're that. We can get beyond that. Why? Because you're being healed. Every time you're in that atmosphere, you get healed. The only reason why God pointed that out to you was to let you know you're going to have a problem if you hold on to that way of thinking. you got to let that go and let me have it and I can give you wholeness. I can give you soundness. I can give you health. I can give you comfort. I can give you peace. So then you start to understand. You start to get involved in things, the deeper things that God wants you to get involved with. Like knowing that he has created a space for you in this assembly where he sends you every week. Amen? There's a place for you. He expects you to be there. And when you're missing, you're missing. Because you're. it's like a part of this body is not here and functioning when you're not here. Amen? And so you want to cling to that because you fit in. Because you know it's important. Because God sent you here. And it's important for you to stay here. Because this is a place that he's ordained for you. And it's that way with everything that God gives us in life. He creates a place for us. He creates. It will lose our self-consciousness and lose our fear of man. We'll find he's created a place for us. I mean, we really belong here. As long as, you know, people who, who will stay in a place for 20 years and then leave, they never lost self-consciousness. They're still concerned. How do they treat me? What are they? Who's got this on? Oh, so-and-so bought that. I'm going to go buy me one. You see what I'm saying? And so they stay in that realm of, of, of broken heartedness. See, self-consciousness is a manifestation of broken heartedness. Where you consumed with what, how they treat you, what they, how they look at you, what do they think about you, all of that. You can, you know, you can live perfectly happy without knowing what everybody thinks about you. Did <laughs> you know that? You can be whole and complete without knowing why you need to know what they think about you. 
Amen. You see these poor pitiful souls on Facebook. You know, they used to be doing okay and now they're consumed with themselves. Trying to show people. Oh, did you know I do this and I do that and I just cut my first whatever and I just did my first book and, and I skydive and I climb mountains and I, you understand what I'm saying? Just constantly the focus of attention. Where if they would just go on and, and walk with God, they could lose that and gain Christ. See, every time you lose some of you, you gain some of Him. You become a person you don't even know yourself anymore. Amen. You can go up to a rank stranger and, and tell them, you know, I believe God wants me to pray for you. Do you want me to pray for you? And they'll say yes. Amen. Where you used to be scared to talk to people. You walk past people and hope God didn't tell you to say. You understand what I'm saying. See, you're being healed every day. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We're asking for healing of brokenheartedness. God, just come in and do some more. Amen. Show me some more. Help me some more. Get me to understand what you're doing and how you're doing it. And that's a good thing. That's not being uh, suspicious and overly cautious of yourself. That's allowing God to, you can participate in letting God heal you. Amen. Just like you, when you go to him for physical symptoms, you know, God, this is hurting and that's hurting. I by your stripes, I'm healed. You know what I'm saying? Whatever we do, but we are aware of where we need healing. And, and God makes us aware of where you need healing in your broken heart. He knows he'll let you know what he's working on. Amen. He always does. He always does. And so God wants us to, to, to live in a way that we expect this process to happen where it's not new to us. Where if, if something comes to you and it's hurtful or you feel rejection, you say, well, God, I thank you that you're working on something else today. I thank you, Lord, I'm being delivered from this. I thank you that, that I'm coming up higher in you. I'm becoming more Christ-like because you're, you're developing me in this thing. Amen? You, we shouldn't be offended when these things come up. Amen? It's just a part of, of the process. You want to get rid of this brokenheartedness so you can function. Because if you're scared for you every every day that you get up, you're wondering what's going to happen, that's a miserable way for a believer to live. Amen. And God has something better for us. Amen. Uh, Psalm 69. Let me see what this says. 6920. Probably need to show you some stuff from the word. So I hope you're getting something out of this because it's, I, I don't know, you know, we just need to go back to basics sometimes because you can find yourself sitting over somewhere being confused for no reason. Amen. Amen. In Psalm 69.20, it says, reproach has broken my heart. Reproach means rejection. And I am full of heaviness. And I look for some to take pity, but there was none for comforters, but I found none. They gave me also gall for my meat. So, you know, this is Jesus on the cross, right? And in my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. Let their table become a snare before them, and that which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. And this is the human part. 
that Jesus didn't say this on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. But this is how reproach feels. And if if he took that for us, then he must be way, uh, have a way to deliver us from it. And it's with the anointing, that inner anointing that works on the inside of us all the time. Amen. There will come situations in your life they'll they'll see seem so horrible and so unfair. But then at the end you'll think to yourself, you know, Lord, you know what, God, I'm still here. I still love you. I've forgiven that person. I'm walking on in you. I, I hope I haven't missed a step in you. Amen. You can take a time out to get healed. You can take time out to get in your word and let God comfort you and show you what he's doing. But let him do this perfecting work. Amen. Let him do this maturing work. Because you can't be on a battlefield working for God and you're holding your, your sore spots all the time. You know, you're trying to hang on and, 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 you know, you feel weak yourself. You feel disabled and all of that. You know, like the, the guy that was listing all his, his problems he had and then another believer said, man, you just need to bind the devil. And he said, I don't think I can antagonize nobody in the condition. <laughs> oh man, I ain't in the mood to antagonize nobody. You know what I'm saying? I got too much going on here that's, that has, has me weak. Amen. Sometimes you feel like you can't move. Just go lie down. Put you a tape on, put you, you know, put something on where God, just connect with him. Don't just lay down and mope. Lie down and connect with him and say, God, what are you working in me? You're doing something in me now. You're helping me. It's all to, to our good. Amen. So, so insults will break our hearts and leave us weak. Like it says here in this psalm, rejection of a loved one or an object of respect breaks our heart. When somebody that we feel is important to us rejects us. And it, it may not be intentional. It just may be a slight word. You ever have, you ever have something, something said to you that you know was not intentional, but your mind wants to keep grabbing it as, as being something that they are doing to you? God is letting you know, I'm working on that area for you. Amen. It's not intentional and you know it's not intentional, but I need to do a deeper work. That's why it comes to you so that God can do a deeper work with us. Amen. Maybe something we feel we've been dealing with off and on throughout our lives. There's always going to be another layer he can peel away so that his spirit can come up stronger in you. Because remember, He's preparing the bride without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. Now, he's preparing a dress that we're to fit into. So he knows where the spots and wrinkles are. We don't. But he can make us a little bit aware of it by showing these little tender spots in us. You know, these little things that, you know, now, God, I should be over this. Why is this still hammering my brain like this? You know? I, I got over this once before. What's what's the deal here? <laughs> and he'll just show you it's time to go deeper. Those prayers you've been praying, you want this, you want that, you want to do this for me, you want to do that, it takes a little bit more. Amen. Got to delve in a little bit more. Because when I send you somewhere, I send somebody to you, 
and they start wanting to beat you up or cuss you out or something like that, you got to stand there <laughs> and stand for me. Amen. And so he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And many of these things we know are not damaging to us. The only thing it damages is your pride. And that's what he's after. You know, he's after that. Even if it's not pride that's a, that's obvious all the time. Even if just a little bit, a little bit of leaven. Leaven's a whole lump. He wants that little bit. Amen. He's going to get that little bit. Because he has better things for us. And, and these things are not hurtful to us. In fact, they should be liberating and they should be um, expected. Amen. So when the brokenhearted syndrome is being thought to be the cause of a great deal of, of um, heart attack with surviving spouses. So people can have weakened hearts because of unhealed brokenheartedness. So it can take a toll on your physical body. Brokenheartedness is the cause of anxiety. Anxiety is a form of fear. And so all of this fear, your your soul and your body, your physical body can't take all of this stuff forever. And so it it will have to, it'll show in some way. Sometimes uh, um, incurable diseases like cancer can be traced to brokenheartedness. Um, um, especially, now they found that parents that, lose a child often will come down with cancer so it's it's it the brokenheartedness manifests that way so it's not like it's something that you say ah well you know i mean i'm I'm good you know that you don't say that you know let god have this and let him handle it because there's so many things that we are desiring you don't want to leave here early. You want to leave when God, your, your appointed time. You want to leave out your time and then get a few more extra years if you can. Amen. Many of you have grandchildren. You'll have great grands one day and you'll, your heart will long to see them. Amen. And God knows that. So he's preparing this for you. Many times, uh, people have, have stomach pain that, that's undiagnosed, uh, loss of appetite. Uh, chest pain, insomnia, you have anger, easily angered, shock, all of these things, feeling lonely and helpless, depressed, loss of, who doesn't feel that off and on at some time in their lives, see? And, and let that inner anointing work. Let him work on you and bring these things out to the surface. Let him, let him, you know, sometimes you can have good relationship with with say like one of your children that's kind of easier to get along with than than others of them for you uh and and then all of a sudden there'll be a friction there you know God's working on something that ain't that child turning on you and you understand what I'm saying it's easy to internalize these things and call them wrong that's not what that is but what God is doing he's he's doing a deeper work in you He's doing something to prepare you uh, so that he can can trust you with more, be more like Christ. That's got to be a goal for us. You know, we don't want to live in the same condition we started out in the first day we were saved. We'll live higher. Because the higher you live in God, the more you can accomplish for him and for yourself. 
Amen. That little little uh, uh, situation that never seems to get any better. You get higher in God, <laughs> it's taken care of. See, your deliverance is the key to somebody else's salvation. Amen. I remember Jack Hayford giving that testimony. He just went to be with the Lord. I think he was in his 90s. And uh, he wrote a lot of worship songs, really good worship songs throughout the years. But And he had a, a, a little church in uh, called the Church on the Way in California. A lot of movie stars went there. You wouldn't. He never mentioned the name of anybody who went to his church. And that's why they would go there. Because they wouldn't get outed. You understand what I'm saying? Whereas you see some people now, Justin Bieber goes, I'm Justin Bieber's pastor. You know, that kind of. People, godly people don't do that. You understand what I'm saying? And he covered everybody that came in there to his church. But he said that he had been praying for a family member. I don't know if it was a brother-in-law or something like that. And he said, I would get so frustrated because he said, usually he said, if I just put put it before God, he said, it was no problem to get loved ones saved, family members saved. He said, and he said, he just wouldn't yield. And he said, I got so angry and frustrated with him. And he said, pretty soon, I just didn't want to be around him. I didn't, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And he said, God showed him one day. He said, he said, the reason you've had a hard time, he says, and he showed him something, some conflict he and this man had had many years ago. He said, if you will forgive him and stop trying so hard to make him get saved and trust me, he said, I'll save him. And he said, he just, he said, he just stood before God and wept and cried. He said, God, please forgive me. He said, he said, it is me. He says, not him, it's me. And he said, within a week, that man was saved. He was coming to his church and he said, I'm just having such a good time, brother Jack, you know, and all this kind. They were friends after that. All of that hinges on us getting healed from brokenheartedness. See, you can do a whole lot more for God whole than you ever could limping. Amen. So don't get satisfied just limping through life. You know, seek to be made whole. It's not an indictment against you. The fact that you need to forgive somebody is not an indictment against you. But it's a help for you. Amen. When God points that out and it says, you know, forgive this person. Or you get convicted. You say, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't be going on like this. You know, I want to love them. And just make up your mind. You're going to love people. Amen. And let God work on you. Amen. You don't need to work on anybody else but you. And then we don't do such a good job. It's more letting him, letting the process go ahead and, and take place. Amen. So, so it, it, the brokenheartedness, it's God's responsibility to get us healed. You need to know that. Not your, your responsibility is to follow His lead, follow His instructions, but it's His ability, it's His responsibility to get us healed. Amen? So, He binds up our wounds so that they don't ooze. You understand what I'm saying? Even if you're still hurt a little bit, he binds that up. Amen. So in other words, oozing means that you got issues and you got to talk about them all the time. 
He will, he will take that thought away from you. You ever, you ever go to think about something? You say, no, nah, I, I just forgot what I was trying to think about. I, that's him working. That's the Holy Ghost eraser to keep you from spouting off something. Amen. That you don't want it to live out of. You don't want those words to bear fruit. You want to bear good fruit and he knows it. You're just not in the mood now, right now. To- be trying to think about somebody except yourself, but he can get you in the right mood. Amen. So his love is what makes us whole. So when he binds up our wounds, that means that we don't have to think about protecting ourselves all the time. We'll have to think about who we're around and are we saying the right thing? Are we saying the wrong thing? And when they're going to leap out at me and say something, they're going to leap out. Just know they will. Amen. It's not a matter of when or if. They will. And the minute the devil sees you trying to protect yourself, he'll pounce even harder. Amen. So you got to let God thank you for binding my wounds. I don't have to try to protect me anymore. I'm not going to ooze on everybody and complain about everything. Amen. Except this one thing. Let me get this over with and then I'm done. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I just, just got this one thing, Lord, and then I'm done. You understand what I'm saying? Well, you know, sometimes now we need to vent sometimes. I'm not talking about harangue, but, you know, you need to vent. Sometimes you can vent before God. In fact, yeah, I recommend it. I think it's good because he knows what you're thinking about anyway. He's the one you can vent to with no problem. Amen. And just let him know, God, I just can't take this no more. I just get it all out and say, but okay, God, I receive your healing. See, at the end of your conversation, you got to have let him have the last word. You just can't go and what a rag on people all the time because then people belong to God, too. Amen. You're not better than they are. And so don't ever make yourself out to be. But but it's the love of God that makes us whole. When you can give love to people and receive love from God and bless people and thank God for them and and be thankful, you know, be thankful. God taught me that, you know, and he's still teaching me that, you know. And I I have to be careful sometimes. And and when people say things, I tell them, I appreciate that. I appreciate you thinking about me. And I said it enough to where I started believing it. Do you understand? Because you've got to train yourself from ungratitude, ingratitude to being thankful. It just don't come automatically. You know, didn't with me, you may be a little different breed, but I doubt it. But, you know, we all have to train ourselves in in the right way uh, to think about things, in the right way, you know, to to uh, express that to people so that people know that that you appreciate their efforts. Because you don't know that person might need to have that encouragement that day. and You don't want to rob them of it. Amen. You want to always show love, you know, wherever you can. And I'm not saying make a project out of it, but just let God know you're open. Lord, I want to bless somebody today. I want to make somebody's day better. You know, how can I do that? Put me in position, you know, to bless people. You know, I was when in driving here, I drive through some, <laughs> some, some, some very affluent areas and I drive through some rough areas. I bless everybody. I said, Lord, bless them. If I look at them and I want to complain about, I said, Lord, forgive me. Bless them. See, you bless people instead of 
Oh, they don't look right. Now I'm going to lock all my doors. And... <laughs> you know, they lock automatically when you get in there, most cars. But, you know, you'd be like that. I don't know if I should mention this movie. Remember Soul Plane, where they had the, the the plane sitting on the tarmac, and the plane with all the Caucasian people in it. When they saw the Soul Plane on the tarmac, they locked all their windows. Airplane windows locking. You understand what I'm saying? It's just, the plane was hump had a hump in his back, making it on down the runway. That's an old movie. I guess it's too old for most of y'all. But you don't want to be like that. But I think about that sometimes. I say, Lord, I'm not locking my doors. They already locked. I feel secure in you. Bless this person. Bless them with what they need. If they look like their clothes aren't right, Lord, bless them to have something better. Bless them to have a hot meal, a warm bed to sleep in. You understand where you would turn your nose up at people. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And so it's just good to get in the habit of being thankful for what you have and to bless people anyway. Amen? All right. Well, Father, we thank you for allowing us in your throne room. We can find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And we need you all the time, Lord. We love you. We bless you. We praise you. We magnify you. And we honor you. And we thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Why don't we do our declaration? I don't have Rona. She don't have me. I can't get Rona. She can't get me. Thank you. Oh, I don't have whatever you fill in the blanks, whatever else. I don't have that. It don't have me. And I thank you, Lord, that by your stripes, we are healed. Amen, amen, and amen again. It is so decreed. Amen. Praise God. Praise God.